What is my love language? <laughs> Food's everyone's love language. <laughs> I think, what, what's that old saying? The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. That's right. It's just the way it works. Well, you guys get to hear me twice in a row. This is like a rarity. This is like a, like a Yeti. You know what a Yeti is? It's like a, yeah, that's right. The abominable snow monster. Let me get my water. All right. All right, friends. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know what that is, that is the greeting that Paul gave to all the churches. It's also the greeting that he gave to Timothy and Titus and Philemon when he was writing letters to them. And this was his greeting and blessing at the beginning of each letter. So we're just going to break this down for a minute. There's two words here that that he says in each one of these, grace and peace. So what is grace? Grace is, obviously, it's a, the Greek word is hadis, which carries the idea of favor, kindness, and um, in your whole life. And so what that word, when, when Paul said grace, what he was saying was, I greet you with grace and favor, may it be upon your life. Look at your neighbor and say grace. All right. And then there's the word peace. We know the word peace in Hebrew is shalom. And this word shalom means wholeness, well-being, and inner peace. And so Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, he said, peace I leave you, My peace I give you, I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. So there's a peace that God gives that is unlike anything that we can receive from this world. And it's twofold. This peace that he gives us, it's something that we can't conjure up, and it's something that actually is beyond our understanding, and we'll get into that verse later. It's in Philippians chapter 4. So when Paul is greeting each and every one of uh, the churches, and when he's writing these letters to bring encouragement and correction uh, to Timothy and Titus and Philemon, he's basically saying uh, God's peace uh, that's on this higher level and that's on this deeper level that only comes from God our Father, I pray it to be upon you. Okay, and again, this peace, right? Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, and the peace of God, say peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That, that verse right there, just that part, I mean, it transcends what you can comprehend. Think about this. There's a peace that God has for you. There's a peace that God has for me. There's a peace that God has for us. That is beyond our comprehension, it's beyond our understanding, and it will guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. I believe this is I believe this is one of the many answers to one of the many problems that's going on in our society today, where there's so many people that are boggled down and, and that are being uh, just absolutely 
destroyed by worry and stress and anxiety. We live in a society that has more anxiety than ever before. See, and what, what's happened is, is we've totally not been able to walk in this peace of God that transcends all understanding that guard your heart and mind. It doesn't say that, that it will sometimes guard your heart and mind. It doesn't say that this peace is something that is on your level and all, on your caliper of thinking. No, it's beyond your comprehension because when you, got the, when you have the peace of God at this level involved in your life, then friends, you can go through hardships, you can go through storms, you can go through tragedy, you can go through difficulty, and guess what? Your heart is protected. Your mind is protected. And so friends, when, when Paul is sharing this greeting to the churches, it is fully loaded. Say fully loaded. The graces, he's talking about this favor that he's praying and blessing to be upon the lives of those who he was writing his letters to. And the peace, this peace is not just, you know, like you want peace and quiet, like when your two, your two siblings, or, or excuse me, your two children are in the back room and they're fighting over video games, and you're just saying, shh, you just want peace and quiet, right? You're just trying to hush it to, to no, not that peace. We're talking about a peace that is an inner peace, a peace that when things are, are, are going on around you that, that you, can't, you can't even uh, uh, really understand why it is because, there, because the God that is in you is filling you with peace. So when he's saying grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, he isn't just saying, you know, blessings to you. It's, it's amazing, his, his packed full greeting, you know, we'll just say, hey, how you doing, right? Hey, hello, how are you? That's our greeting. Paul is like, he's like extending this blessing to them. It's pretty powerful. So my prayer for you today, friends, is that you feel greeted with the grace and favor being upon your life, and that you would have peace inside that's beyond your understanding. And it isn't because of circumstances. It comes from God our Father, who sees you and loves you as you're his child, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who paid for it all and paved the way and made a way for us to have it all. Amen. You know, it's funny, this kind of blessing or this kind of greeting reminds me of something that was spoken in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You know, it's so cool that our God knows that, you know, by nature, we need a lot of help. <laughs> we need God to teach us, right? <laughs> and so he's so gracious. I love the fact that he doesn't, you know, just see us out here and trying to do it and be like, man, you're really screwing that up, son. Check this out. If you got your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 6. The blessing that I want to read is verse 24 through 26. But I I just want to wind back two verses to 22 because this is so funny. I I think it's funny. There's times in the Bible I think it's comical. Like when, uh, you know, the disciples, they think they know what they're, they're, they're trying to like tell Jesus some stuff. And he's like, no, let me, let me, let me, let's fix this. Let me help you out here. So the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. You know, maybe he tried it. I don't know. I don't know the whole gist of it. And it was just like, eh, nice try. But I love the fact that God gives us instructions. Say instructions on how to bless. So he's telling, he's telling Moses, he said, when you speak a blessing over all of the people of God, say it like this. 
So guess what? You can take it to the bank if the Lord's teaching you how to do it. That's why the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed by thy name, is so powerful. Because who taught us how to do it? Jesus taught us how to do it. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. If you've been in this church, you you may have heard me say this. I like to say this. This is my go-to blessing because it is so powerful. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Say gracious. Mm -hmm. Verse 26. The Lord turn his face towards you, right? You get the attention of the Lord. Wow. You get the favor of the Lord. And give you peace. Hold on. Wait, there's grace and peace and the blessing and the ironic blessing that was spoke over the Israelites. How many of us know that Paul knew the, he knew the word of the Lord? He had it memorized, right? This guy was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He probably had the, I'm sure he had the entire Pentateuch memorized and perhaps the whole Old Testament at some point in his life. And so his blessing, I believe, I believe he was pulling it from the resources of heaven and also from something that, that was deep within inside of him, the, the, word, the word of the Lord. And that's where he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that was the, the, the method that the Lord shared for the way we should bless. You guys with me? interesting. The Lord specifically teaches us how to bless. And you know that? We still need to learn how to bless people. We still need to learn how to bless people. So we're going to have two points today. Number one is this. We need to walk in the grace of God. Look at your neighbor say walk. We need to walk in the grace of God. And this grace is for forgiveness of sins. This grace, okay, is the grace that in which we're no longer under the law, but we are now under grace. This is the same grace that that is spoke of in John chapter 1 verse 17 in describing Jesus, that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So friends, when we learn to walk in the grace of God, we need to learn to walk in grace and truth. And often, we can veer to one side or veer to the other side. We can veer in grace, but we need the truth. We can veer in truth, but we need the grace. And I love the fact how how. In Scripture, so many times, Jesus brings this beautiful balance of grace and truth. Because you see how, the, how he responds to people. There's times where he needs to bring strong correction and rebuke to people. And he's, he's taking a whip and he's whipping and, and, and uh, scourging people out of the temple. Why? Because he said, they turned my father's house into a marketplace. Another translation would say into a den of robbers or into a den of thieves. He says, my house will be a house of prayer. So there's this truth and this raging um, righteousness that burned inside of him uh, because if you know anything about history, what was going on in that uh, outer temple, they were ex- the exchange rate was unfair. And that play, they were taking advantage of people who couldn't bring their own heifer or their own bird or their own, you know, whatever it was that they were sacrificing. 
And so the exchange rate was unfair. That's why Jesus said, this is a den of thieves. You know, this is a, you know, this is a house of prayer, you know, and he, and, he, and he drives out the money changers. It didn't say he drived out the sinners. He drived out the people that were doing wrong business in his house. And, let's, and, let, and, and just know this, this is, you can be assured of this, when people are unlawfully doing things in the house of God, God will drive them out. Okay? Just it is what it is. And then there's times when, when he turns to women who they don't even realize, well, why are you even talking to me? Jews don't have association with Samaritans. Or he turns and he looks at a woman who is pulling at his end of his robe. Or he goes into Samaria. Say grace and truth. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. That's what we need. We need grace and truth. We need a church that has spirit and truth, okay, that has the truth of the word of God and then also that has the spirit of God. My mentor used to say a number of years ago, he said, without the truth, without the Bible, you'll blow up. Like you'll just, just, you need you, you, you need the word of God to ground you. It's like that anchor. It keeps you solid. keeps you at firm foundation. But without the spirit of God, you'll dry up. Because it's like water, you know. It quenches that thirsty soul, right? So we need spirit and truth. Say spirit and truth. Not in my notes. Let's get back to my notes. Okay, here we go. So John chapter 1, verse 17 Jesus is described as grace and truth. So we need to walk in the grace of God. Say, we need to walk in the grace of God. And so this, thing, this grace thing is not an excuse to sin. Actually, this grace is empowerment to keep us from sin. How do I know this? Because, 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 because the word says so. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, because of the wonderful things he does, right? <laughs> I know you're, I know you're th- finishing it off in your head. I just finished it off for you. Verse 11 says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Say all people. Okay. Guess what? That person that, that you have the hardest time with, the grace of God has appeared for that person. <laughs> when you're the hard person to deal with, the grace of God has appeared for you that morning. It teaches us, say teaches us, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled life, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So the grace of God, it is an excuse to do what you want to do. It is actually empowerment uh, for us to say no to the things that we want to do. So the cool thing about this is that God in his beautiful, amazing understanding and love and kindness hasn't asked us to do anything that he hasn't empowered us to do. So I'm like, this is amazing. If God calls you to do something, he's going to give you the ability, the strength, the grace, the resources, the power, the encouragement to do it. So when he says, say no to sin, he's not just, okay, now you're going to be out here fighting your own battles. This is how I fight my battles, by myself. No, he says, I'm going to empower you to say no. 
This is amazing. This is beautiful. <laughs> There's a song by Houston. Wait, um, no. I don't know. Can't think of his name right now. I have, bloop. It's a song, gospel song. And he says this, but by the grace of God, I'm still standing. Israel, there it is. Israel who? And he, she got it. You know, <laughs> I, think of, I think of Romans where it says, you know, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And it says, be careful him who thinks he stands lest he fall. And so, friends, your victory is by the grace of God. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. It's, and, and it's his grace inside of our lives for us to walk in victory. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to him, right? The grace of God has appeared. It teaches us. Say, teaches us. Just say, Lord, teach me how to say no. And there's some things, you know what, and, and you know, that's, there's, there's things that are between you and, and the Lord and whatever, they're called personal convictions. We could be talking about those, but I'm talking about the serious sin issues, the things that separate us from God, right? Like gossip. Nobody talks about that. Gossip, it talks about, you know, the way we speak. Do not let un, no, don't let any bitter root grow up among you, lest it defile many. Lying, adultery, pride, idolatry. These are the things, right? You guys sit with me? Good, good, good. His grace teaches me to tell myself no. (laughs) But his promises are yes, true, and amen. They are. But there are also times you need to tell yourself no. That's why we'll have, right, self-control. Isn't that in that verse? Yeah, right there, see? Self-controlled. Not you controlling others. You controlling yourself. There's times you need to bite your tongue. You need to have some self-control, right? There's some times where there's something that pops up in your mind, and instead of continuing thinking upon that thing, you need to have self-control, Right? So even even within that, because this is the thing, and then I'm gonna kinda I'm gonna bend it all the way to the other side here. Friends, and when you fall, when you fail, when you make a big boo-boo, <laughs> how do you respond to that? Do you have grace for yourself? Do you have grace for yourself when you fall? Do you have grace for yourself when you fail? Or are you hiding or are you holding yourself at this high expectation that when you make a mistake and you fall flat on your face, you begin to beat yourself up because you had a high expectation of yourself? I'm not saying have low standards. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying are we at a place in our spiritual walk where we're mature enough to know Anybody can fall and anybody can fail and anybody can make a mistake. It don't matter if you've been living for the Lord for 20 minutes or 20 years or or 30 minutes or 30 years or 50 years. Anybody serving 50? 40. 
No hands. Those hands went like this. <laughs> that was cute. That was nice. Yeah, no, no. Serving the Lord 30 years. Is it divine serving? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, lo- you know, living for him. So you said yes to him, and you've been going in that path, going that way. Do you beat yourself up? Do you have expectations of yourself when you fall? Do you have expectations for others when they fall? They fail. They fail around you. Do you have high expectations of them? Do you have expectations that you think others have for you? Are you trying to hold up this expectation that you believe others have for you? That's not walking in peace, and that's not walking in grace. It's walking in religion, and it's probably walking in insecurity, and it's probably walking in pride. And if any of those things are at work today, I pray those things would break off you and that you would have grace, that you would be able to walk in grace, that you'd be able to extend that grace to others and for yourself, and that you won't be walking in this this balance of having expectations because, friends, that isn't a healthy place to be in, and it's not fun if you're living in a place where you have high expectations of yourself and high expectations of others, and you think people have high expectations of you. That, that leads to high levels of stress. Say, we need to walk in the grace of God. Okay, there's about three people in this church that said that. Thank you. Let's say it one more time. We need to walk in the grace of God. And number two, friends, we need to talk in the grace of God. We need to walk in the grace of God, and we need to talk in the grace of God. Yeah. Go ahead, come on. Preach it, brother. We need to talk in the grace of God personally, one to another, and even from a leadership standpoint. There are insecure leaders that are leading churches. There are insecure leaders that are leading companies. There are insecure leaders all across in every platform, and a lot of times they're going to cause issues because they're leading out of their insecurities. And so if you, if you have a leader in your life that is hard to deal with, most likely they have insecurity that, that they're coming from a place of insecurity. So maybe they're power tripping. Maybe they're, I don't know, always on you. And a lot of times when people have issues with themselves, they do this thing. It's called pro- project. Have you ever heard that before? Where somebody has an issue with themselves and they project it to you. I've had that happen numerous times in my life. <laughs> It's like somebody's projecting on me their issues. I'm like, no, bro, I don't have that issue. <laughs> that's you. You're explaining yourself. That's not me. Okay? I, now, I'm willing to admit my issues. Yeah. Not easily, but I do. <laughs> but that happens. And maybe somebody's coming at you saying this, that, and the other, and maybe they're projecting on you because of their own insecurity. Or maybe you sometimes project onto others because of your own insecurity happens. It happens. There are church leaders who cast shame and guilt and manipulation onto others who abuse their authority and those under them. I was just reminded of this again through a conversation that I had this weekend, that there are church leaders who are using their authority and Abusing other people with it. I was, when I was coming up with this message, I was reminded of my own conversation that I had with 
a leader, mentor, spiritual father figure in my life. And I don't remember and I don't recall the full conversation. Maybe my wife can fill in the details because she's good at that. She, she probably has the whole thing memorized. It's like back there. I'm going to start saying it. She's going to pull it up and I'll just hand her the mic so she can tell the story correctly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was in a conversation. I can't, I don't even remember what our conversation was. I just remember, do you remember what it was about? Can you, can you like give us the, the details and then I'll say what I, what I did, what was said to me in the, Yes, yeah. Do you know this? Do you know the details? Do you want to share them? Yeah, why not? I mean, come on. It's juicy and it's and it's old. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so we had a um <clears throat> guest speaker in, and this was years and years ago. And um he was he he had mentioned something about uh another preacher who was put on these conferences that were coming against the Spirit of God um, and coming against the Holy Spirit. And this preacher was, uh, I, I'll just put his name out there, John MacArthur. Um, and so he, he had told us years ago, this guest speaker, that you should not read John MacArthur's books. He is against, he is against the Holy Spirit. He's against women in church, and it's not good for you. So anyway, this other person who was like a mentor to Josh heard it, got the name confused. He thought he was talking about another preacher and called Josh up, was not even there, had no idea what was going on, and got his facts confused. And was I was sitting next to him. We were in Josh's mom's driveway back where she used to live in the North Toledo. And we were in the driveway. The kids were little, and they were all out the car already. But me being the nosy woman I am was sitting next to him listening to this mentor, man of God, go off on Josh telling him, uh, uh, tell, just going off on him, he said, you should be ashamed. You should be, shame on you. Shame on you, Josh. And I was like, give me the phone, give me the phone, give me the phone. I really wanted to tell this guy about himself, but Josh, being the man of God he was, was like, you know what? There is no shame in Christ, and I don't speak shame on you. I speak grace on you. And then I was convicted, like, oh, this man of God, you've given me, because I just wanted to slap this dude, because he was all kinds of coming the wrong way. But... <laughs> Because Josh spoke in a tender way, as the scripture says, that, um, well, yeah, yeah, a gentle answer turns away wrath, the guy actually changed his attitude towards the end of the conversation. I, he was convicted because he knew he was wrong. Now, if that would have been me picking up the phone, we both would have been repenting. You know what I'm saying? So thank God for learning to have grace on people because sometimes people, they just come off, you know, they, they, as, the, as the young people say, they come at you sideways. So that's what that was. Told you my wife would remember the whole story and all of the juicy details. See, now the thing is, is I don't remember the whole conversation. I only remember in my heart that my mentor was saying, shame on you. And the Lord gave me the grace to say, yeah, this is over 10 years ago. And I had, Ed, we love him. We have a great relationship with him. And I said, grace to you. Friends, there are leaders who are casting shame. I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to have to repent later, but y'all got it good. <laughs> she, just, she, she just spit. <laughs> she almost hit me with her spit. <laughs> I'm just saying. Not, not, 
<laughs> my wife is up here having, she's having one. She literally almost baptized me in her water of her spittle. It just like, it shot. I've never seen it go that far. That was amazing, baby. So I'm saying this, I say this with grace, and I promise, shh, hold on, hold on. Let me get your attention for a minute. Okay. I say this with grace, and I say this in humility. I'm not saying you got a good, like, because we're, like, so amazing. I'm saying, I'm saying that, that through, through leadership that, is, that we're right on in our life and that taught us how to navigate through challenges and through people that, that have created atmospheres like this and churches that allow the Spirit of God to move because, I'm, I'm just saying, you, you have it good because there are, again, there are leaders that abuse their people. I, I'm not, again... Because I could, I could, I could mess up tomorrow. I can. I just messed up just now. I mean, it just, <laughs> you know, it. <laughs> As you can see, we're not insecure leaders. We're leaders that are full of ourselves. <laughs> so our, 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 our sin is on the other end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Get this guy off the mic. Shut him up. <laughs> oh. I believe that there I believe there's a the whole reason that this um I brought this up is because I believe that there's a lesson to be learned not that I I believe everything every any time we ever have a victory. It's by the grace of God. Because I know, I know, I know, I know men, and I've, I've asked the Lord. I know, I know men that are more talented than me. I know men that are more gifted than me. I know men that could preach better and sing better and pray better, and they're not doing anything. And they might even be backslidden, not serving the Lord. It's but by the grace of God. Okay. If you have a good marriage, but by the grace of God. If you have good parents, but by the grace of God. If you have an awesome, amazing church, but by the grace of God. If you got leaders who love you and are pouring into you, and they're not extorting you, and they're not casting shame on you, but by the grace of God. Did I clean that up good enough? Okay, good. Just want to make sure. Let's go back to the word. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's pedal on forward. Let's keep going. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this. It says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Is it freezing up on us? Okay, we'll do this. Turn your Bibles to Col- uh, uh, Colossians chapter 4. Okay, it's up there. It says, let your speech always be with grace. And then it says, season with salt. How many of us in here love a good seasoning? If you don't know a good seasoning, you need to know, you need to come over. Uh, well, not maybe I should. You need, to, you need to experience when he invites you. <laughs> and, and, and my and, and Mama Vicky invites you. You need to experience the seasoning of the Thomas kitchen. It's good. What happens when food is seasoned right? 
There's nothing like it, right? I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you can have a steak, and then you can have a steak, you know, right? I mean, you can have chicken, and then you can have chicken. It says, "Let your speech always be with grace, salt or seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one." Okay, in the context of scripture, he's talking about unbelievers, but I believe that we can also apply that to how we treat and talk to one another, because I believe. The church is where the biggest area of us being pious and full of ourselves and thinking we're all that. Say this. Say, let's just say this uh, scripture together. Say, let your speech always be with grace. Amen. Amen. Let it always be with grace. Okay? How many of us know that in the scriptures... God told Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. So you can be like, hey, Jesus, you got my back, right? So, friends, I can use the power and authority that Christ has given me, and I can use it to curse. I can use it to tear people down. I can use it to speak negative connotations over people. I can call things out of people that I'm being, uh, being uh, presumptuous about, or I can use the authority and power that Christ has given me, and I can speak a blessing. And do you know, I mean, check this out. In Scripture, Jesus cursed. Do you know that? What? Oh, that's why I love pulling out the Bible. Jesus looked at a fig tree, and what did he say? It was unfruitful. What did he do? He cursed it. He said, may you never bear fruit again. They left, they came back, and they seen it was withered and dried up. Why? Because, because Christ has the authority to curse. What happened when, when uh, the legion of demons, when, when Jesus was about to cast them out, what happened? They, got, they went into the pigs, right? Cursed the pigs. They went down the hill and all died. Pigs got cursed. So Christ, he said, all authority has been given to me. I, the keys of the kingdom I hand to you. So he gives you authority to bind and loose. He gives you authority to bless and curse. He gives us authority, right? It says out of the power of the tongue comes life and death. So we can use what authority Christ has given us, and we can try to manipulate people and try to get our own way, or we can use it and we can speak blessing over others. Friends, the scripture is very clear saying that we will be acquitted or we will be uh, condemned by the words we speak, even if they're careless and empty. And so, friends, as a leader, I want to do my absolute best to bless. And not just as a leader, as a follower of Christ, I want to do my absolute best to bless people. And we don't always get it right. We talked about that last week. A righteous man falls seven times. We just talked about this just a moment ago, about us walking in the grace of God. Okay? Do you beat yourself up? Yeah. Do you, do you make mistakes? What happens? What's the best thing to do when you make a mistake? Repent, and if you make a mistake against someone, what should you do? Apologize. Eat some humble pie. It doesn't taste good, but you'll feel good. We can use our authority to bless or curse. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 says, Love your enemies... Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. 
Pray for those who mistreat you. This is probably one of the hardest verses in the New Testament for us to act and do. Am I, am I wrong here? Because our own nature wants to self-defend. Our own nature wants to buck up against somebody who's bucking up against us. I mean, that's our nature. We have self-preservation. We have whatever. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. It's not easy. But the Lord's telling us to do it. <laughs> Man, I'm on one today, ain't I? Holy smokes. It was, if it was any thicker in here, whoosh. It says love your enemies, but here, just take that word enemy. What if it was frenemy? <laughs> Gotta love teenagers. Frenemies. My frenemies. They're like my friends, but they're really enemies. They're like my enemies, but they're really friends. They're called frenemies. What if the person who's cursing you or the person who's abusing you is a family member? Well, we expect them to protect us, to support us, to have our back. But what if they're the ones cursing you? What if a leader is somebody who's abusing you? Well, there's some things we're going to talk about here just real quick. Three little things that we need to do. First, number one, friends, is, is if somebody's speaking curses over you, you need to rebuke and cast off those word curses. My wife and I, in our um, younger, passionate years, when people would say stuff to us that we didn't agree with, we would just tell them right then, I don't receive that. <laughs> we probably weren't wrong for doing that, to be honest. Because if somebody's saying something to you, I remember some. I remember there was a time that this woman tried to bring a prophetic word to, to, to my wife, and it wasn't a prophetic word. It was a pathetic word. It, was a, it wasn't a prophetic word. It was a pathetic word. We're going to have to teach you guys about the prophetic because uh, we, we need to start operating in it and we need to do it in a correct manner. Pathetic word comes from your own soul, your own flesh, where a prophetic word comes from the Lord. And I remember her speaking this. And you can tell, if you have the Spirit of God in you and the Lord is speaking to you, it will, the Scripture says that we are to judge every, right, every word with two or three witnesses. Do you know that? So any person out there prophesying and, and, they're, and they're like, well, this is the Lord, and they're not submitting their gift, and they're just out there doing that, and, and it's being judged, and it's wrong, 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 they're in the wrong. Amen, Ivan? I don't know. I just looked at you and like, yes. But there's a right way of doing the prophetic. I remember when we first started our church, I'm like, I know that the scripture, and it talks about, and then times there's going to be false prophets, there's going to be false teachers, there's going to be all this. I said, but there has to be real ones. Let's see some real ones. <laughs> like, Lord, where are the real ones at? Hopefully we're going to bring in a real one in the next few months. Ron Teal, fantastic man of God, if you've ever uh, been under his ministry. So these are three things that you need to do. Friends, number one, you need to just cast that off. If somebody speaks something over your life, you don't have to agree with it. When you agree with it, you give it power over you. So when somebody speaks something, a curse over you, if someone says you're always going to be like this or you are this and that or, or this and the other, just say, I don't agree with that. I don't receive that. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. 
Okay, you can go ahead and just do it right to them if you want to, if you're bold like how we were back in the day. Or later on, you can do it. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you choose to disassociate yourself with that word that's been spoken over your life that's negative, that's a curse, that's wrong. Rebuke that thing. If somebody says, this is how you are and this is how you're always going to be, say, I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. The scripture says that I'm growing in godliness and I'm going from glory to glory. Take the word. If somebody's going to come at you sideways, come at them the other sideways with the word. I mean, my wife and I, we used to just bust each other up with the word early in our marriage. Okay, and it's not, but it's not meant to do that where you just chop each other up. But if somebody seriously, if somebody seriously is coming at you wrong, speak the word. Right? It's your sword. Dividing soul and spirit. If they're speaking something soulish over your life, then rise up in the spirit of the Lord and say, I don't receive that. What happens is people speak things, we believe them, and then we walk in them. Most people in here, you're in here today, and your very walk forward is breaking off generational curses off your, your life and your family. Because your family was a mess. <laughs> My family was a mess. Riddled with adultery and divorce and alcoholism. And I guarantee, I guarantee you, there's many people in here, the same, you know, similar stories, probably same strokes, different folks, right? Riddled with probably abuse, all kinds of deception, lies, manipulation, whatever it might be. And so your walk, your, your progress forward was you saying no to that stuff and you going in a different direction. And the grace of the Lord empowers you to do that, remember? Right? So just say, I don't receive that. I rebuke that. And I tell it to go in Jesus' name. And actually, right now, if you can think of something, <laughs> as we're sitting here together, you can think of something. If something just shoots right into your mind, something that's, that's been spoke over your life, just go ahead and whisper it out right now. Say, I just rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Yep. Come on, someone. Mm. Rebuke that. And then here goes the difficult part. You have to forgive and release them. Okay. Because we're like, Psh, I rebuke that, and I'm never going to speak to them again. <laughs> I ain't calling you for advice ever again. You live your life, I'm going to live my life. We'll be good. No, you have to forgive them. How do you know you have an offense against someone? How do you know? Yeah, check this out. Have you ever, have you ever had maybe an incident with someone, and then... It never got resolved, and you see them at the store, and inside of you, you're like, ugh. Like, there's like something inside your chest, you're just like, the only word I can describe it is, ugh. Have you ever had that feeling towards a person? You're offended. It's, you know what it is? It's the Spirit of the Lord showing you there's something not right in your heart. So, or... I mean, I've, you know, sometimes offense can be so heavy. I remember one time one of my own family members were walking in my house one day. We're in the front. And they walked in, my, in the door, and I literally felt the offense on them. I was like, oh, my goodness, what the heck did I do? And then after that, you know, it was a long conversation and worked through stuff and blah, blah, blah. You can feel offense. If you have the Spirit of the Lord in you, 
Or you can just tell by the way they're talking to you. Or If you've ever seen someone in Walmart and you wanted to go the other direction, you're probably offended. Or and I'm not just talking about you just don't want to be dealt with by them. I'm talking about, you know, when you know, like, they did you wrong and I don't want to see them. You need to forgive them and release them. What does release them mean? That means you give them to the Lord. Okay, you're not, you don't want, you don't want wrong to them. Do you really want them to, to go to hell? No, okay. You want God to get them. You want God to do a work in their life. And so you forgive them and you release them. And then, friends, number three, what happens is then you receive your healing. But let me just go ahead and back up just for a moment. Your healing is completely tied in to your forgiveness. How do I know? From personal experience. I remember when I first committed my life to Christ, the Lord started working, you know, he starts getting in there. He starts digging around that heart and starts showing you all this stuff. You know, and you're young and passionate. You're like, yes, Lord, more of you. I just want more of you. And then he starts showing you real stuff, and you're like, ugh, ugh. And this particular time, it was, it was my own father. And I remember I'm on the floor, and I'm punching the ground, and I'm like, I can't. I was in my bedroom. I'm like, I can't forgive him. And I'm punching the floor. And I start punching the floor, and I'm punching the floor. I'm like, I can't forgive him. And then, you ever work yourself up so, so much and you start crying? So I did. I just worked myself and I start crying. And I'm like, God, I know I need to forgive him. And this is, these are the words I said. I said, Lord, I choose to forgive. And as soon as I said that, it literally felt like something lifted off of me. And I just started bawling. I started weeping. And that was a moment the Lord changed my heart towards my dad. And some of my siblings still have hurt feelings, you know. My youngest sibling doesn't even call him dad, calls him by his name. So that's not my dad. But there was a moment where I forgave them, I released them, and then I received healing. Okay? You guys getting this? So maybe maybe you're in the same boat. Maybe you've already worked through some stuff. Maybe there's some. Maybe that maybe you're going through it right now. Okay, rebuke word curses off you. Don't receive those. Forgive that person. Release that person, and receive your healing. And again, your healing is tied to your forgiveness. You got to forgive, just the way it works. And then you'll receive healing. If you try to receive the healing from being abused, but you can't forgive them, you will never get it. Because God ties that. He t- likes to tie that stuff together. Friends, when we cannot allow our emotions and our feelings to dictate our responses. Because, friends, when we surrendered to Christ, we surrendered to his word. And obedience to his word. And he calls us a child of God. How many of us know children receive all the benefits of their parents? Right? But they also receive all of the correction from them as well. And so, friends, we are children of God. We are going to receive all the benefits of heaven. But also, the Scripture says that we must also receive the discipline from our Father as well. It says, God disciplines those he loves. He rebukes those whom he calls sons. We have any sons and daughters of God in here? 
then there's times we need a good old spanking on the booty. Got to get that little tap, pop, pop. And then it goes on to say discipline doesn't feel good at the moment, but it, but it produces righteousness, right? Godly living. Last quote here, and then we're going to end here. Last quote. This is by Lisa Bevere. She says this. She says, our authenticity as children of God is tested by our reaction to our enemies. Our response to an enemy is a direct representation of our Father since we belong to him. We represent Jesus. We represent the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's not our enemy who needs to have the proper response. It's our family. Most likely we are in more closer proximity to our family than we are our enemies. How many of us keep our distance from our enemies or we try to? So the rest of y'all eat dinner with your enemies? So there's, right, if there's a person that you don't like or that you're, you know, I'm just going to call them enemies, how many of us, we try to keep our distance from enemies? Okay, same people. So what do the rest of y'all do? Nothing. (laughs) We don't do anything. They don't have enemies. Your Your enemy might be somebody who, you know, has an opposing view. Maybe somebody who has an opposing belief. Maybe somebody who's actually, their life is in complete opposite of what you believe and what you're living for. Do you know there are people that are actually fighting against what you believe and what you stand for? Okay? That's what I'm saying. How do you react to those people? Do you go online and tell them about themselves? Do you try to put them in their place? Do you go pick it outside of where they work? Do you go throw down in the street and punch them in the face? Like, how do we? No. Friends, our response is a representation of Christ. The scripture actually says this. I'm going to close with this. It says this. It says, with your enemies, it says, feed them, clothe them. In doing so, you will reap hot coals on their head. Now, do you really want your enemy to receive judgment? Well, maybe inside you're like, get him, God. I don't know. But there's this beautiful thing when you actually act like Jesus in the middle of you being treated wrong. And that whole message was two or three weeks ago. Pastor Joyce, you preached it beautifully. Can we pray today? I believe the Lord wants us to walk in the grace of God. I believe the Lord wants us to talk in the grace of God. I had this really cool moment just for a minute on the ride to church this morning. And we're going down Anthony Wayne Trail. My youngest son, who's eight years old, he says, Dad, how fast are you going? I said, I'm going about 52, 54. I don't know, something like that. There's a camera right there on the Anthony Wayne Trail that will snap your photo if you're going over a certain speed limit. 
So like I said, I'm going about 62. I know I'm not going 65. It's like in between 5 and 60. Or not 60, 50. 50 and 55. Like I said, it's about 50, maybe 52, 53. And he's like, Dad, you're speeding. You're going to get a ticket. And I said, no, son. There's grace. There's about a, I said, I said they don't actually snap your photo unless you're 10 miles over. Right? I mean, I mean I'm t- teaching my son bad habits. But as I'm, but I just thought as a moment, when I thought of that, I thought, even the state of Ohio, even the city of Toledo is going to give you a 10-mile grace period. It's about a 10-mile, you know, if you go, if you go, if you, I'm telling you, you can go probably about 60. I wouldn't test it. I know I've been, I know there's been times I've been going like that, like right up there, and my photo wasn't snapped. So from experience, I'm guessing it's about a 10-mile gap. 62? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we got 62. They got you. Not thank you that you got God, but that you, you, gave, you gave us, you, you like shared with us, this is the, the okay. Have you, ever, have you ever had this? Have you ever been on the the turnpike, the speed limit is 70, you're going about 75, 78, and you notice the state trooper sitting there. Do you slam on your brakes? Some, some slam on their brakes. Some take their foot off the accelerator. Some people like me just keep going because my sister is a state trooper. And they won't, they, for so, you know, like there's like a grace period. Like they don't pull you over. And it's around that 10-mile area. You know what? I thought of that. I thought of that, that little bit of grace is that extra grace required. What if they were so stern where you're driving past that camera and you just go like one mile over because you're t- trying to like stop your kids from fighting behind, you know, they're not getting along and, you got snapshotted for one mile over. How would it be? I mean, it would make driving unenjoyable, right? That little bit of grace makes driving a little bit more enjoyable. Friends, that extra grace in our life is going to make your journey and your walk with Christ so much more enjoyable. Okay? We just need, this is what we need, like that, that little 10 mile, just a little bit. And that's what we're doing when we're calling out to God. We're like, God, we just need extra grace. Would you stand your feet with me today? Maybe you need extra grace today. Maybe today you're like that. You need just that little bit extra. Lord, we do need extra grace, Lord. There's times we put our foot in our mouth. There's times we say things we shouldn't say. There's times we do things we shouldn't do. There's time we explore areas of sin and we know we shouldn't be doing it. Father, would you just extend extra grace to be upon each and every person in this room? Father, to live this life you've called us to live. 
And Lord, I thank you that this isn't a perfect walk. And it's never going to be perfect. There was only one perfect, and that was Jesus. And God, and we grab a hold of the perfection. God, we thank you that your word says that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So, for, so Father, we come before you today in humility and in weakness, and we ask that, God, that your strength would be made perfect in us. Jesus. I just feel the Holy Spirit very strongly. I just believe that we're just in a moment where the Lord really just wants to do some stuff in each and every one of our lives. So if you've got some stuff, just make an altar right where you're standing. God wants to meet with you right where you are. And friends, if you've strayed, your if your heart is strayed from him, just take this moment and just recommit your heart to him. Recommit your resolve to live for him. Recommit your, your heart to love him with all of it. And just receive the grace that the Lord wants to place on your life for you to have for yourself and for you to extend to others. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would just increase our grace. God, would you increase our capacity to carry grace? God, would you increase our capacity to give grace? God, would you increase our capacity to extend grace, to walk in grace, to talk in grace? God, that the grace of the Lord Jesus would be upon our lives. Father, that we would have grace and we would have peace. God, when everything around us seems to be in turmoil, that we would have this assurance, that we would have this confidence, that we would have, God, this this something that's inside of us that's from you that says we're going to make it through. We're going to keep moving forward. God, that we're going to keep extending, God, uh, in a a way that, that you've called us to, even when we mess up, even when we make mistakes, even when we fail, even when we fall, that, Lord, that we would get up Shake the dust off and say, God, here I am again. Jesus, we love you, Lord. I just sense in here that there's just been some turning of some things in some people's hearts right at, right in this moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that. Thank you for just shifting some of these ideas that maybe we've had wrong. God, shifting some of these things maybe we've held on to. And just take a moment. If there is someone that you need to release, just do it right now. Someone who's done you wrong. And I just want to encourage you, you may have to release them over and over and over again. But just continue to do so because then you're walking in obedience to his word. Okay? Don't give up. Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. You're so good to us. Friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and may he be gracious unto you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's children said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining with us, friends.